Empire. Sometimes to move better, you just have to see the light. The light lace is a fiber optic technology and it uses light to sense pressure and motion. So what light lace does for athletes is it can measure their muscle activity. That's Elida Shamigil, part of the team at Organic Robotics that may have had a breakthrough in motion technology. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Elida and her co-founder, Rob Shepard, kind of just happened on this tech. And as you'll hear, sports wasn't necessarily the first application for light lace, but they soon found the direct correlation. And it was noticed by the NFLPA. At the time of this taping, Tom Brady just won his seventh Super Bowl, a record. No other team has won seven Super Bowls. And recently, in the first and future pitch competition, which is only in its sixth year of existence, we have another winner there, too. The Organic Robotics Corporation, which got the top award among four finalists in the Innovations to Advance Athlete Health and Safety category. And we have their co-founders, Elida Shamigil and Rob Shepard with us. Hi to both of you. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Bram. Thanks for having us. Yeah, hi. Nice to see you. All right. So um, tell me a little bit about Light Lace, which is the sensor that helped you win the competition. Um, what does it do? So Light Lace is a fiber optic technology, and it uses light to sense pressure and motion. So what Light Lace does for athletes is it can measure their muscle activity, specific to each muscle group, track their motion, measure their respiration, all outside of the lab setting. It can be on the field, during the game, during training. And Rob, how does that implement into uh, health and safety for NFL players, or I, guess, I, I suppose other players of other sports as well? Uh, well, we just saw you know Tom Brady win another Super Bowl. Um, he's getting he's even he's older than I am, which <laughs> so it was you know it gives me hope. Um, but uh, an, an injury can be very hard to recover from when you're his age, uh, so preventing them is pretty important and. Um, if you know, if you can predict based on how you're throwing, how much stress you're putting on a particular tendon or ligament, then you can take steps to avoid it before you actually damage it. But the biomechanical data required to make those predictions doesn't exist. It, it, in some ways, it does through cameras, but that doesn't happen um, to the resolution needed in a, and also doesn't provide force measurements. So we are able to do kinematic measurements, motions, as well as force measurements um, without all in a garment rather than requiring external equipment. So hopefully we can start providing models that can help athletes play at high performance for uh, longer times without injury. You know, it's interesting. I, like what I'm picturing here is like what EA Sports does to build Madden and put sensors all over the body. Um, I, I don't I don't assume that that's what's happening here. How does your product work if it's not literally connected all over the human body? We actually use fibers. Our fibers can sense light. So instead of use, putting like markers on the body or like all these external electronic devices, we just put fibers, which are the same material, which are made from the same material as your compression shirt or compression legging. So we don't introduce anything new except for a little hub, electronic hub that does the Bluetooth transmission. 
Um, so the idea is that it doesn't interfere with the motion of the athlete. The athlete doesn't feel like they're wearing a piece of technology. They're just wearing their garments, which now happens to be smarter because it has light lace in it. And, um, and what's the turnaround for receiving the data and then sending this information off to team, trainer, athlete? So it's in real time. If the coach or training staff wants to look at it while the athlete trains, they can. But obviously, we don't want the athlete to be using their phone while they're training just so that they can look at their data. So to not force the athlete to do that, we have two different options. We can have our sensors glow to let them know they have to stop like as a feedback mechanism. Or they can also just look at their data after the completion of the exercise session. But trainers are free to look at it in real time because they won't be doing motions. So. When you started implementing this, um, could you, you take me through some specific case studies? You don't have to be specific about the athlete themselves, but like, what are the case studies that, that proved out what you were doing? Well, the great thing about winning this first and future competition is that it shows them, it validates the market potential. We have um, what is called ground truth um, estimations of accuracy. So we can, we have gloves that we've used to reconstruct joint angles at the same time as measuring pressures. Um, and we can have highly accurate reconstruction of joint angles and very fine force resolution. But in order to do make predictive models about what's going to injure somebody, we actually have to have players using it to gather this data. So now we know that it is valuable and people want it. We can start gathering this data by providing value initially with just showing kinematics, joint angles, and forces, and allowing physicians, uh, player coaches to get this data to use it to optimize their performance from how they see fit. Now, along the way, we gather this higher level data that the physicians are providing to estimate for them so that we gather all the data, put it into an algorithm, and then say, okay, the player got injured this way. Now, all this other prior history leading up to it meant that. So it's a step-by-step process of providing value. Initially, it's just providing quantitative information for what the physicians, physicians and coaches are already seeing to the point where we have predictive models generated working with the physicians that allow non-experts um, to, to make these predictions and also gather data over time that doesn't require the physician or coach observing every single thing the player is doing. But it's a, you know, it's a scaled value. I mean, we have immediate and long-term. A lot of the changes that have been occurring here, you know, in, in sports with the type of uh, equipment and technology that you're talking about is literally changing how someone trains. Is that the implementation really here? Cause I, I'm thinking about a football game and I'm going, I, I don't, we saw it with Pat Mahomes last night who already was injured and was clearly more, you know, was getting, it was getting worse as the game was going on, but he's not going to leave. Even if the information is telling him um, that it's probably be in his best interest. Um, are, are you looking at this as something that coaches and trainers and leagues and teams can rethink how they train to play in games? Yeah, certainly. Um, it's more about training than in the game. One of the things about high performance athletes is they don't want to admit when they're, it's time for them to stop. And so, so so if you're a coach, even in training, if you're a coach um, and you're relying on your player to 
pull themselves out, a lot of them won't do it. So this provides you an unbiased quantitative way to say, okay, it's time to pull this player out. Another thing it can do though, and if it was allowed in, in a real game is provide more data for next generation statistics, which is making more exciting for everybody. How so? In what way? Well, I mean, elusiveness, um, you know, you how elusive were they? Were they completely missing somebody when they were breaking a tackle? How much force was going on when they broke that tackle? Huh. Um, this is information that could be provided by our system. Have you spoken to Next Gen Stats about that? Uh, we have not. We are... Um, you know, we're te- our technology can do it, but there's so much to do um, in making a clean, high-quality product yeah. that, um, you know, we want to keep developing before we, we break out in all those directions. <laughs> well, uh, like, uh, here's self-plug here. We just interviewed John Pollard from Zebra Technologies who does next-gen stats literally three weeks ago in the middle of the playoffs, and I'm sure they would uh-huh. love to talk to you about what you're doing to implement their statistical analyses. Well, maybe this is the motivation we need to just get the conversation started anyway. So thanks, Brent. Okay. Um, hey, Elida, how did you get involved in all of this? Um, so when I was a student at Cornell, I was working on this technology at Rob's lab. And, you know, after graduation, we figured we would take this commercial because there's so much potential and so many different applications. And obviously, like I briefly mentioned, there are a lot of different applications, not just in sports, but medical virtual reality, automotive, or robotics. We have to choose one, and we were doing some customer discovery, trying to find what's exciting, what what big market is, and where there's more potential. And that's how we kind of found the athletic performance, sports performance market. Yeah. And then we started looking at sports and what we can do that competitors can. And clearly there was such a big value there that we chose to go that way. That's cool. Um, all right, so what's next? Like, what happens now? You won this competition. Um, do you start working with the NFL? Are there other leagues that are interested in what you're doing? Where you? Where do you go from here? Obviously, uh, like we briefly discussed earlier, we want to start more serious validation tests with human subjects. That's our number one goal for this year, to get those tests done, to get more data so we can provide a better product for the athletes when they are able to purchase this. And regarding sports, we're looking at a couple different options. Um, obviously, NFL is a great one. We won the competition. Clearly, there's a potential there. We're also interested in baseball. We're interested in boxing. And there's also other sports like swimming, skiing. There's just so many. So trying to gauge interest and see what makes the most sense for us to pursue first. I have yet to hear of a, um, you know, an injury limitation type technology at boxing because all that sport is, is injuries. <laughs> so that's that's going to be an interesting one to break into. For the boxing one, we're looking to look at the force that the um, people hit each other, basically. So not for injury prevention, but just to analyze how the forces are and, you know, who is, who, who is more forceful, I guess, yeah. but not for injury prevention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rob, um, so explain to me from your point of view how this kind of uh, came about, because the way Elida was kind of describing it, you all kind of fell into this idea of going in this direction. Could, could you kind of describe uh, from your perspective how this came about? Well, in the lab, we've been developing it for allowing robots to better interact with the objects they're manipulating. Um and along, so we made this skin that uses light to measure touch and everything. 
and uh, it just seemed like we could scale it. But uh, we didn't have the right people who had knew how to use the technology, but also would be good at running a company. Um, then Elida came along, and she was willing to do it. And I say willing because it's a hard job. Um, but you know, she's doing great at it. And then, you know, found that. You know, a couple of reasons. There's a lot of places we could bring this technology, but the team has to be excited about it and it has to be a good market for it. And the combination of excitement and uh, market potential was there in sports performance. So that's uh, where she's taking it. And I think that the first and future competition validated that was a good idea. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, Elida, for you, what did it mean to win the competition? Well, it's definitely a great validation. It's exciting. It's another way to reach more people who are interested in this and who also are involved in this. And that's not just the athletes, but also decision makers or people who look at the data, like trainers, data analysts, or the coaches, or um, the medical staff. So being able to reach all of them and get feedback from each to make sure our product can be helpful for everyone in this sport or other sports is a big thing. And I'm just really proud of our team. We all needed a win, and now we have a big one. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, Rob Shefford, and as someone who has their name mispronounced constantly, Elida, I'm going to let you pronounce your last name because I'm convinced I butchered it earlier. Elida, what is your last name? Sean <laughs> Thank you both for joining us from o- Organic Robotics Corporation. Thank you. Thank you, Brent. Thank you. On the next Future Sport Podcast, the fitness space is the latest endeavor for a serial entrepreneur. So what we had to do was train a custom data set. Uh, It's about 500 hours of images and video. Um, And we trained that to be able to understand in these athletic positions, someone doing a push-up, someone doing a burpee, someone doing a skater jump, someone doing, you know, a squat, like we were talking about earlier, to understand whether we could see all those different points. That's Zothet, the founder of Exer AI, where your phone might soon become the best trainer you've ever had. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.